She Can Talk, Episode 8, Magdalena Rabakanowicz. Hi guys, welcome to She Can Talk. So, this time, Mum, it was your turn to choose an artist. Do you want to just remind everyone? This week, I'm looking at the work of Magdalena Abakanowicz. I'm actually revisiting her work because I studied it when I was at university and I actually used her as an example in my dissertation. So, she created large organic forms within huge installations, but each part of the installation was an individual sculpture in its own right. A little bit of background on her. She was Polish and from quite a well-to-do family, but they had to flee their home when they were under communist rule and all they took with them was money that they sewed into their clothing. It must have been incredible, that, because not only were they invaded to start with by the Germans, so you're in an occupied country, um, again, because they were from an aristocratic family, everything went any decent possessions or things they had would have been stolen by the Nazis. And then when you think, okay, you know, we're going to be liberated, they were actually occupied instead by the Russians. And so her lifestyle would have become even worse because they would have been part of the hated class by the Russians. And so she had to pretend that she wasn't part of that class to survive. She was still able to study, though, and she studied in Warsaw, which I think is where they actually settled. She started off as a painter, but she was discouraged from this by her tutor because it wasn't classed as an appropriate occupation for a woman. She was encouraged to weave instead. She did this in a very untraditional manner. The first work that I think I ever saw of hers was Abkans. I think this is taken from her name, and maybe it represents the different sides of her, or maybe a moment in time, or what she put into the work itself. The abcans are huge woven pieces which hang, and you can walk under them or around them, but they're not pretty pieces. They're very tactile, and the weaving isn't neat, uniformed pieces. These have feeling in them. They're messy, and I think maybe they're expressing how she's feeling. You know, it's strange because, you know, she became very famous as an innovative textile artist because she was doing things that textile artists hadn't done before. But in actual fact, her real first love was painting, but she couldn't do that because the Russians didn't like modern artists. If you wanted to do anything big and bold and modern, no way would they let you. So she'd already had to changed by pretending to be a clerk's daughter to get into college at all. So she just changed again and she she's somebody who became very adaptable when you think about it. Going away completely from her background of painting, she then went into textiles because that was something that they didn't think anything about. She could weave stuff. But she was still she was still taking a stand, wasn't she? Oh yes. She was a survivor. And and she did it by bringing all this modern textile work in that people hadn't thought of. And as you said, she put so much of herself into it, her own feelings, that you she couldn't have done that with art because that wasn't what the communists wanted. But because they didn't rate textile as being anything special, they left her alone and let her show herself in her work. I find that the one called Bax, the most haunting thing, it, it is just a lot of backs being made from things like hessian and um, bits of rope. And the first th feeling I got when I saw it was like a concentration camp. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. And I thought, you know, this is probably because of what she went through in the war, being occupied by both the Germans and then the Russians. Could this have influenced her in that way? And all these people who are headless, faceless, they're just hunched figures being depressed and repressed. So though I, I felt it a bit frightening, it was really quite powerful well, image as well. When I first found her work, I'd been searching for artists who worked in multiples because that's what I'd found myself doing. Although that's what first attracted me to her work, it's by no means what attracts me now. It's about what her work means to me, the context I see it in, as well as her methods and whether you understand what her work's about or whether, I don't know, you have your own ideas of what it's about, it's very powerful. The work that I really want to discuss today is embryology. This is my favourite piece of work of hers. I saw it at the Tate Liverpool a few years ago and it was an overwhelming experience. I wasn't prepared for how I would feel about this work when I saw it. I'd seen it on the internet and it was already my favourite piece, but I just stood and couldn't move when I first walked in. They're made of a sacking material. I think it's like burlap or something like that. And they've been sewn and very heavily stuffed with patches all over the place and very evident stitching everywhere. They look like they've been mended through time. For me, they resemble a cocoon. So maybe it's about protection or not being able to protect. I thought they looked quite mysterious as well because they are different sizes and the shapes, although they're bolder like, they're, they're, the shapes do vary. So I thought, you know, what would it create? What would be the, the end result of each of them? Would it be an animal? Would it be a human? Presumably they represent embryos, maybe children she didn't have. Ah. Or what occurred to me later is maybe it's the children that didn't exist because of war. But I think they're probably embryos in the early stages of pregnancy. I don't know. I don't know what they're meant to be. And perhaps that's good as well, because you don't know, you can imagine. Yeah, but what I like is what you're saying, that they're all individual. Although they're grouped as a multiple, you could just look at one by itself, couldn't you? They're all so different, but they're part of the same thing. And they look like they've been hard to stitch, almost as if the process itself has been uh, a labour to her. Yeah, I think that that's a, the big difference between that piece of artwork and the backs that I that I looked at because the backs are all, all the same. They're just people who have hunched over, and it it looks totally depressing to me. It's um, instead I can imagine it being people in a concentration camp camp or people waiting, not knowing what their destiny is. Is um, yeah. That's the difference that with that and embryology is that the embryology could become something very different. I don't know because for me it feels like there's desperation there. It's unsettling because they look like they've been repaired. You can almost imagine her going around repairing them, trying to keep them safe. Yeah, I've only seen them on the internet, you say. I haven't seen the actual piece of work. So as you've had that experience, you probably got closer to what she was doing. Very influential artist. There's always something different that she that she has looked at, you know, it's uh it's perhaps good that she was restricted from what she originally wanted to do because she's now done something that's quite phenomenal.
yeah, her work's really special, isn't it? I um, I don't think I've spoke at all yet. I'm just completely in awe of her work. <laughs> um, so that's probably everything um, on Magdalena Abakanowicz. Um, but Grant, next time it's your turn, you said you um, wanted to look at Sandra Chung Engashan. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Fab. Okay then, tune in next time. Thanks for listening.